All right. Well, with that said, it's time for our favorite segment on the podcast. Well, at least tied for our favorite segment on the podcast. This is Top Turtle MMA's Fastest Fight News. We deliver the news to you in the MMA world in under 15 minutes or less, or your podcast is free. We know you're busy and don't have a lot of time to waste. So let's get going. Gumby, there's no better place to start than Cowboy Cerrone taking the nod over Ally Aquinta this weekend. The old man still has something in him. He's 36 years old. He's a dad now, and he's back on top of the 155-pound division. What were your thoughts on the performance, and where do we go from here? Well, I think the performance was masterful in a couple of senses. First of all, I was really shocked that this didn't wind up a grappling match in any way. Like, I envisioned that if this was going to be a Cerrone victory, it would come from Alec Iaquinta trying to grapple him up. And Cerrone has great submissions, so I thought Cerrone had a chance to get the submission there. I didn't really expect him to outstrike Iaquinta in such a violent way, and that's exactly what he did, right? Like, he tagged him. He dropped Ally Iaquinta, which nobody in history, or nobody in the UFC history, has ever done. This is a new level of Cerrone. He looks better than he did when he got the title shot against RDA. He really does. Now, do you pick Cerrone when you go against that upper echelon at 155? Do you pick Cerrone against a Khabib, against a Tony, against a Gaethje, against a Poirier? Uh, I I would give him a fighting chance against Gaethje and Poirier. I, I like him against Gaethje and Poirier. I don't yeah. like him against Khabib. Um, and the reason I like him against Gaethje and Poirier is I think both of them would engage him in a striking battle. And right now, it looks like he's hitting so freaking hard for the UFC 155 division. And, and I think that Poirier sort of got away with beating Max Holloway in the fact that Max Holloway doesn't hit hard. I would be interested to see how Cowboy hits him and how he reacts to that. So I, I like him there. I, I think every single time Justin Gaethje steps into the cage, it's a fucking coin flip. So I, I think Cowboy could win that fight too. I'm obviously worried about Habib's wrestling and what that would do to him. I think that's totally fair uh, and right on the money. Speaking of money, the UFC did not make a lot, at least in a traditional way, as it's being reported that UFC 236, headlined by Max versus the aforementioned Dustin Poirier, did sub 100,000 buys. Now, of course, that would be catastrophic under the old model. This, of course, was the first pay-per-view on the ESPN Plus service. So ESPN paid them a rights fee. They paid the UFC, that is, just to host the pay-per-view. So this is not, uh, you know, a traditional pay-per-view where they're splitting a 50-50 share with cable operators and satellite providers. Uh, but that being said, I, I think the 100,000 buys speaks to the fact that a lot of people were also just confused on how to even order it being the first one. Yeah, and, and they've come out and said since then, too, that they plan on having a better system for ordering next time because you couldn't order it right from the app. You had to go online or use your phone to use your whatever web browser you use, order it from there, and then go to your app and make sure that it's signed in in your app. That's really convoluted, and you know that if ESPN had more time to put this together, you would have seen a better product or a better accessibility or whatever. But the fact of the matter is, I think this came on really quick. The UFC didn't like the pay-per-view model, didn't like how it was sounding, jumped right into bed with, with ESPN, and, and sort of haphazardly, I don't think they're even all that upset about these numbers because they knew it was coming, because they rushed into it, because they're getting a higher cut of it. 
And, you know, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. It will grow, and the numbers might be lower forever. Who knows? Yeah, there's no reason to panic button by any stretch. I think Dustin Poirier brought up a really good point where he said something to the effect of, like, his family in Louisiana, a lot of them don't have a streaming, you know, a Roku, an Apple TV, uh, ways to stream such things as an ESPN+. Plus. They're, you know, relying on traditional cable. And it's something a lot of people forget about is there are parts of this country that don't even have fiber optic high-speed cables to provide them with high-speed internet. Mm-hmm. So if you're in certain parts of the country, you can't even get high-speed internet and the ability to stream something. You're reliant upon cable. And, you know, there might be a lot of people ordering pay-per-views and bumblefuck wherever. Yeah, so, my, my, my parents yeah. don't have uh, high-speed internet where they are, which is pretty crazy to say because we live in Massachusetts and people don't even think of Massachusetts as all that crazy rural, but they don't. Right, because they're more in, like, the mountains of Western Mass, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so that it is something to consider, you know, and uh, maybe UFC cares, maybe they don't because they have the guaranteed cut, but it'll be something to keep an eye on over the course of this ESPN contract. Now, mm-hmm. speaking of this ESPN contract and how the pay-per-views play out, it's being reported, and this broke after our last Fastest Fight News, our last Top Turtle MMA podcast, and it ties in perfectly to this. First off, it was announced that DC is going to fight Stipe in August, rematch for the heavyweight title, great fight. Now, why is this somewhat surprising? Well, it was rumored for a long time. There was even a little angle shot, some might say, if you know your pro wrestling jargon, where Brock Lesnar came into the cage after DC won the title last summer. They teased a match, and everyone thought it would be DC versus Brock Lesnar. But it has since come out that Brock Lesnar is staying in the WWE. He's not coming back to combat sports. He's not coming back to the UFC because they could not work out a contract with him. He wanted guaranteed money now knowing that the pay-per-views are on ESPN+. And you saw what this first pay-per-view did in numbers. He said, it's not the same way I would have been paid before. I want guaranteed money. And they couldn't come to an agreement. What do you make of this whole scenario? Well, you definitely can't blame him for that, but also it, it makes sense. Like, the UFC is moving to a place where they are making money regardless of the number of big stars they have, so it's easier for them to say, no, we're not going to pay Brock Lesnar that catastrophic amount of money because uh, it's not going to break our, our pay-per-view buy system because we've got a better system now, and there are tons of people on the ESPN Plus app. ESPN's throwing money at us. It makes a lot of sense. At the same time, I'm almost happy it happened. I'd rather watch Stipe versus DC than Brock Lesnar. While I get the freak show aspect of Brock Lesnar and everybody wants to see the freak show of Brock Lesnar, this is probably, in the end, a more competitive match and more fun. And it, it opens it up the possibility that we can see another Francis Ngannou title shot or another JDS title shot. Somebody who else who, who probably deserves it more than Brock. Yeah, I think you bring up a good point, and I agree with you completely. I, I really wanted Stipe to get that rematch. I think he deserved it. Mm-hmm. I mean, heck, he set the record for most title defenses as a heavyweight with, you know, a paltry three, but it is what it is. Uh, that being said, you know, Brock Lesnar came back at, what was it, UFC 200 and fought Mark Hunt, not yep. for a title. It did a million buys. Cormier versus Jones was supposed to be on that show. They weren't. It ended up being Misha Tate and uh, Amanda Nunes headlining. I can tell you right now, all due respect to both those fighters, I love them both. But, you know, Nunez and Tate did not earn that million buys on their own. It, that was Brock Lesnar. Yeah. And probably a couple of people who ordered it ahead of time thinking they were going to get D.C. Jones. Lesnar doesn't need a title. It, you already said it. He's a freak show. 
I think Lesnar and his management, which I think includes his on-air manager, Paul Heyman, from WWE, I think this is all a big negotiation. The UFC did change their model. It makes business sense for them to do business, and Brock's always going to be there. I mean, yes, he is aging, but sometime in the next year, and DC said this too, if the money was right, Brock would come back. I, I don't think Brock necessarily needs to be in a title fight. I think you could pay him whatever you have to work out, and it's him versus Naganu, end of the year. Let's see a fucking freak show. Yeah, I'd love to see him fight Naganu. That, that's a dream <laughs> fight for me because Naganu wants it. He wants it. It's the big power puncher hitting the big, strong wrestler. I love it. Now, uh, former UFC fighter recently found himself in a bit of trouble with the law, and that's Anthony Rumble Johnson. Police came to his house last night, reported domestic violence incident. Though when you read the report, not to downplay anything, but it sounds like, you know, you hear Rumble Johnson in a domestic violence incident, and you think the worst thing's possible. We've all seen what that man could do with one punch. It sounds like he, he picked up his girlfriend, they were in an altercation, and he moved her from one room to another, not the worst thing we've ever heard, but certainly he's in a bit of legal trouble. Uh, what did you make of this? And I guess really the MMA tie into this is this probably seals the deal on him not ever coming back. Because I think there have always been rumors that he would, but I, I tend to think this is it. Yeah, I definitely think this is it, too. Like, it, it seems like he's in a uh, maybe probably not the best headspace, especially to be fighting at this point in time. Um, hopefully he gets help if that's what he needs. And, uh, you know, the other thing, too, is we, we're definitely not going to see him back unless they add a super heavyweight division. Because have you seen this dude lately? He is freaking huge, man. <laughs> Speaking of freak shows, how about him versus Naganu? Oh, man. Yeah, I think he probably outweighs Naganu by a solid 30 to 40 pounds now. He's enormous. Well, that's a bit of a bummer news, but you know what? There was someone else who had some personal struggles earlier this year. Everyone hoped the best for him. And I'm, of course, talking about Tony Ferguson, who recently tweeted out that he was negotiating a new contract with the UFC. He was spotted at the UFC headquarters the other day. So it sounds like Tony Ferguson is coming back. I know that's your guy. Uh, great news all around. What do you do with Tony Ferguson right now if he does have a fight lined up, knowing that Habib and Poirier are going to fight in September? What do you do if you're the Booker Gumby? My preferred UFC lightweight matchups right now are Habib and Poirier. I, I like Tony Ferguson versus... Um, I like Tony Ferguson probably versus, I'm going to say Justin Gaethje, and I like Conor Ooh. McGregor versus Cowboy Cerrone. Um, I, like, I, th yeah, I think those are my three, because Conor Cowboy, dude, dude, you could put that on pay-per-view, and it's going to sell, right? Like, that that could be a main event of a pay-per-view. And then, you know, the violence machine that is Tony Ferguson versus the violence machine that is Justin Gaethje, to me, is just a slam dunk, too. So you got three slam dunks across the board there. I, I think that that's the way that they ought to go with lightweight if they can get everybody to agree. Now, I will say this. If I'm I, – I called them Booker, which is a wrestling term. I meant to say <laughs> UFC matchmaker. Uh, the If I'm the UFC matchmakers, one thing I don't do, I don't put Tony in a fight this summer – um, I mean, maybe he wants to fight, and if that's the case, fine. I try to do it in late June. I, I mean, that would give him a six-week fight camp. Mm -hmm. Maybe July 4th for the International Fight Week. That would be fine. But one thing I have to think about for Tony Ferguson is Habib is a guy who has gotten injured a ton. 
we know how this goes in the modern Put him on that card, man. Oh, I, that's what I'm thinking is put him on that card, and if one of Poirier or Habib drops out, then you have Tony right there for the second time to become an interim UFC 155 champ, and then hopefully you're combining that belt with uh, Habib. If it's Poirier who gets injured, or if it's uh, – or sorry, yes, if it's Poirier who gets injured, um, then you just have Tony versus Habib. And if it's Habib who gets injured, you do Tony versus Poirier for the interim title – and then you finally book that could be a uh, Tony fight whenever Habib would be coming back, if that all makes sense. Yeah, that, that makes perfect sense. And I think that that's the <clears> smart <throat> thing to do. Um, there's a lot of rumors that Connor is training. He's ready to fight. Um, I, I guess right now at this point, it, it's Cerrone or bust. I can't, I mean, unless they did Ferguson, but I, you know, he's not going to fight Habib for a rematch. We already know that Habib is going to fight Poirier and Abu Dhabi. So I, I think it's Cerrone. Would you not speculate that? I, I would almost guarantee it's Cerrone. It's a huge fight. It's a fight that Connor said he would take after Cerrone won in Brooklyn. Now with a high-profile win for Cerrone, I, I think that that's obviously where they're going next. All right, well, that about wraps up the fastest fight news, our favorite segment, or at least tied for our favorite segment. 